This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. My next guests are a dynamic duo of sisters who have worked together as a team and separately on countless projects in film, television, fashion, and live stage. Their work has taken them worldwide to over 30 countries and inspired so very many. Widely known for their all-female tap dance band, Syncopated Ladies, they have amassed over 100 million views online with appearances on The Ellen Show, Good Morning America, The Kelly Clarkson Show, So You Think You Can Dance, and have received praise not only from their fans and followers, but from Beyonce, Whoopi Goldberg, Shonda Rhimes, Janet Jackson, as well as many other celebrities and news outlets around the world. During the pandemic, they gave free classes to over 25,000 students worldwide online and continued their after-school programs in South Central LA and favelas in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. They are on a mission to elevate and celebrate the art of tap dancing through film, television, and live events. They are tap dancers, choreographers, educators, entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and I am thrilled to say that they are here with me today on Stop Time. So please welcome Chloe and Maude Arnold. Welcome, gals. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad to be here. Yes. And thank you for that awesome intro. I know. I'm like, wow, we've done some. I was like, wow, (laughs) we did some things. (laughs) Well, it's really, really interesting because literally, you know, um, as I was thinking about you, and I do a lot of time thinking about my guests prior, you guys have such a strong energetic presence, not not just because you're everywhere, (laughs) everywhere, literally. Um, but you just, you just do like, you held a lot of, I felt a lot of energy. Um, and you know, it, it made me think, you know, you both have this, this, this super impressive track record of accomplishments, right. And your work is obviously truly captured the hearts of so many. And, and I just wanted to ask you if it's okay, if it's okay with you guys, like, I'd just like to take a moment and like, just slow down the tempo a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And hold space and acknowledge the two of you individually and together for the humans behind the headlines. I love that. I love that. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. And I think that the human behind the headline is the only reason there's a headline. Mm-hmm. Because when I was talking to uh, Cherish, one of our managers yesterday, and uh, there's a like something really awesome in the works for us, uh, a television project. And but the way that we got the tele that this whole thing transpired, it's been a, a, a dream of ours, something we've been planting for, you know, like a decade. But the way that we ended up with this relationship that's pushing this forward is because Maud gave a ride to a friend instead of having them take a Uber. And we know, especially if you live in LA, that giving a ride to a friend during rush hour is a generous, kind act when they could afford an Uber. It's not like this was because they couldn't afford an Uber, it's a little tough. No, just to be kind and to spend a little more time with a friend. And that transformed into a whole night that then created a relationship that has put us where we are. And well, even me meeting her, when I spoke to her, I didn't really know what she did, but she told me that her daughter wanted to dance but had lupus. And I said, oh, I said, we've worked with very sick dancers before my sister just said, I said, take my number because my sister is very kind. She's a very kind choreographer. And if nothing else, your daughter could come learn and just be in the room. And that is how me and this woman connected. I didn't even know that she was an Emmy award-winning producer. So what I'm saying is every blessing, like the big ones, have come because of literally some form of giving or being present. It's really even our tour was was our agent for our tour was a former tenant of ours in an apartment in New York when 20 years ago. Yeah, when she was like on the come up and didn't have a spot and blah, blah, you know. And so I'm just really thankful 
honestly, for the human experience, which has then given us these incredible moments and places to be in and just being in the right place, right time with a very clear mission. So I, I, when I look at like all of the, again, the headlines and these big things that are happening for us, they're really just the magnification of this initial purpose that we had for our day-to-day lives. Totally. No, that makes perfect sense. You know what I'm, I'm really, I'm really super curious about, you know, successful people, um, you know, we, we hear their headlines, right? Because, you know, they're, <laughs> would you share with us like what, what maybe, you know, something that it didn't become a headline that maybe should have like a low light or something, because I think it's important for people to hear that, you know, there, there's probably an equal number of failures. They don't know how many things didn't fail that you tried. Right? Uh, well, I want to share one because <laughs> way at the onset of YouTube, when I was traveling around the world, and I was going, uh, I was going everywhere. I was in Prague and, you know, London, Taiwan, Taiwan and France and like everywhere. And so I was, I started Chloe's World, which was a, a um, video blog in, I want to say like 2007. So this is so far before Instagram and like Facebook videos. This was on YouTube. And what were I you did- shooting it on? Oh my God, I think I was on mini DV or like something, just something really antiquated. And I was self-editing and I had, we had a friend who was really great in graphics and he did this super awesome intro for me. And I was like, this is going to be the moment. I might, my show's going to blow up. And then, you know, the thing has like, you know, 500 views, which... I'm like, yay. And I look back though, and that's kind of the the thing about anything you're imagining is that you have to start somewhere. I love this saying that our friend has, uh, his name is Maverick Carter and it's his company saying, so, you know, I don't know who made it up, but it's LeBron James's team. Their saying is make it until you make it and keep making it. Mm. It's like, yeah, if you enjoy something, make it. Mm-hmm. Maybe no one will see it. That's okay. You make something else and you make something else. And, and you, you truly never know what the thing is that someone's going to see. But I was always making videos. Just nobody, you know, in college, I made short films. My um, made short films. Ooh. <laughs> I kind of want to like. You know, people do those reaction videos. I kind of like put them out there and be like, oh my God, what were we doing here? Because it's funny, but the reality is it's like, it's good to look back on something and be like, ooh, I've gotten so much better as opposed to looking at something 10 years ago and be like, dang, that was so much better than what it is now, you know? Mm. And also looking back and saying, I wish I had. Because now I can look at all those countries I went to and even if no one else is looking at the video, I get to look at it and go, oh my God, that was me in that year, in that time. How was I feeling about myself? How was I feeling about my art? You know, and it was a definitely a time where I was still in the, you know, trying to find exactly how to amplify my voice in the most authentic way, you know, because I think because I'm the older sister and because I'm also the older, like Michelle and I, Michelle Dorrance and I are a generation, a specific generation of women in tap. And, you know, like our mission kind of uh, emerged both out of New York at the same time. And we were both clear. She was so clear. I wanted to, you know, doing the concert dance space and really putting tap dance into that space in like such a powerful way. And for me, I was like, I want to put tap on TV and film. And I want to make like a rock concert, basically, of tap women. And so, but it, you know, at that, when we were starting, our voices were so small in the land of tap because it was just such a powerful male voice with massive, you know, Broadway shows that were all men, massive tours that were all guys and, you know, amazing women that were honestly the the um, tradition bearers and keeping it all going, but not having necessarily the same uh, platform 
as these fellas. And so I think I started tap dancing very much when I was in New York. I was definitely uh, like in my college days and early 20s. And Michelle as well, I, I would say we were in the battle zone. We were like, I'm going to jump in the circle and I'm going to show you how good I am, you know? And it was like very much a prove yourself state of mind. And like, I've got to have the best chops. My technique has to be incredible. My musicality. And it's like, you're, you're just fighting for respect. And I definitely, the difference of that life and the life I live now is drastic. And it's, and, and again, I feel like I needed to go through that. But just for folks to know, I would get in those battles and I wasn't winning and I wasn't shining and I was off beat. And I was remember like 16 years old and like falling off the rhythm in a big mat and a big jam session that was like pivotal to me, to me, to me, that was like, if you can kill it today, you'll make it in life. And it was like, I didn't kill it. Um, but it became a formative experience to understand, oh, this is a journey. Like, I'm not going to kill it for a while. I'm going to have to keep getting in this circle and keep not being good for a minute. And then I'm going to start to make sense. And then I'm going to start to soar. And then I'm going to realize none of it matters. And I <laughs> now I have a skill which matters. And that's amazing. But it doesn't matter who's the best in the circle. That's not the defining component of being an artist. Yeah. So I think if I were to look at like failure, it would be kind of part of it is also setting a goal that you don't even ever need to meet that you, you know, like this false sense of success that you're like, I have to do this to be successful. And then you realize a little older, Oh no, that's not the answer. It's just a part of the like learning journey. Mm -hmm. of the oh, 100%. And it's so interesting because what stands out to me is it had nothing to do with tap dancing. Your goal was to be seen in that realm. Your goal was to, to speak your voice. But the, the irony is you didn't know what your voice was because you hadn't been seen, but like you needed both. And that was, that was just the conduit, right? So you're right. It's until you have the journey, until you have the bandwidth, you can't look back and, and learn and develop your voice. Yeah. It's brilliant. Thank you. So, yeah. I, mean, I would say on a quick note, um, I mean, I got denied for a grant this morning and I was actually screen captured it and was going to post it on my story because I apply for all of our grants. And and the reality is, is that people do need to see that you don't get everything, but you just keep it pushing and it's fine. Like, and I'm not angry about it. I mean, I auditioned for a commercial that Chloe is choreographing right now and I didn't get it. And I am totally fine with it because what's meant for you is for you. And I'm just like... I want to post my audition video because it's so funny and I'm just waiting to be able to do that. Um, but I'm not angry or bitter. And I think it's important too, for young people to see that, but I think people, you know, do show their highlight reel publicly. And then people forget that like everybody fails. I think you should share the story about the Rockettes. Oh, so when I was in college, I auditioned to be a Rockette and I made it through to the end, which also now when I look back, I'm like, how did I make it through that far? Because I'm not very good at precision dancing. And um, they pulled me to the side and the woman, she was like, you're really great, but fitness is an issue. And she was like, probably like 15 pounds or so, you know? And I said, oh, Okay. And I looked at her and I said, in my head, I smiled and said, thank you. And I, in my head, I was like, she's crazy. And I left <laughs> and I went back to my dorm room and probably ordered some more shrimp fried rice. And, uh, <laughs> but I never got angry. I never got bitter. And I never even badmouthed them because I had Facebook at the time. I was like one of the first people with Facebook. I never said anything bad. I just remember being like, well, that's not for me. But we did what was for us, you know, and Chloe created syncopated ladies and, you know, all that. So 16 years later, I this summer, I just finished teaching at their intensive for the Rockets. And, you know, it's just a testament to you don't get bitter, you get better. Mm. And you focus on yourself. And like Chloe has been talking a lot about purpose. It's like, would I have made a great Rockette? Probably not at the end of the day, you know? But did I go home and become anorexic? No. Did I go home and become angry? No. We take 
uh, almost 150 kids and families from underserved communities to see the Rockettes every year. We have an amazing partnership with them. Um, the woman who told me I was too fat, essentially, is no longer there. And they have a whole new philosophy and approach. They have so many women of color on the line now. And it's it's really quite refreshing to see. Yeah. And also we did, during the pandemic, we did a collaboration, a video collaboration with Rockettes. It was Maude and I and the Rockettes, and we did it virtually. And we all, we choreographed it offline and then videoed everything and then put it together. And again, the Rockettes posting us dancing with the Rockettes, specifically us dancing differently than them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to talk about changing of just the guards and the mentality. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think, you know, for, for there to be progress, for there to be change, you have to stay open and you can't get so heavy and kind of, um, you know, just write off the system because yeah. the reality is it's going to keep being there. So, yeah. you know, the options are, uh, be like Matt said, be bitter or push forward and try to be better and try to, try to create change. And so it's exciting to be able to see an institution that's so old, uh, hire new people and, ha and, and stretch their imagination and open their minds. And that's, it's really special. Yeah. 100%. Hey, Chloe, I understand that you applied for all of the, all of the Ivy League schools. Is that right? <laughs> and you got accepted to all of them? Yes. So yay, first of all, but, I, but I'm, <laughs> I'm really curious to know why that was important to you to apply to all of them. I love that you asked that question. Um, okay. Okay. There's a video on Instagram right now. It is so funny. Um, it's me playing tug of war with three guys. It's hysterical. It's, it's like so you have to watch laughing. I cried. Okay, I will post the link on the podcast. Okay. okay. I cried. This video depicts who I am. If you say who's Chloe, it's <laughs> so That's true. So from from a child, I have always been competitive. And it's interesting because I also, it's this weird combination because I've always been competitive from very young, but there was definitely the time of like 12 to 15 where my dancing ooh, was still very like shy and not like, not bold, but still, and I was still very competitive. It's very interesting in my mind. I don't mean like hurting anyone else or like yeah, trying to beat people, but I mean, I played sports. And I was going to run, run as fast as I could down the soccer field. Um, in the neighborhood, I played basketball every day. I wanted to make the three pointers. Like I loved competing at a, at, in anything. It'd be like, who wants to play the game? I'm participating. Who wants to run the relay race? I'd like to. In a, in a class in like fifth grade, it's like, who wants to play trivia? I do. I, I realized from tug of war, this, this party that I went to. It was an adult birthday party with all these games. Who played all the games? I was the only person who played all the games. I realized that that is who I am. I'm a participator. I like to participate. And then I like to achieve within said participation. Yes. Now, when I was in high school, I was in a public high school. Um, my mom is so amazing because I had gotten into a gifted and talented program in middle school. And I went to that school. She was like, you need to try it out. And I, it wasn't in my like track of the schools I was Your in. district. Yeah, with all my friends. And, and um, I went to the school for like two weeks. And it's like the school that's going to get you into every great college because it's more everything. And I went for two weeks and I was like, mom, I don't like it. I don't like this environment. I don't like the culture. I don't like the people. Can I please go back to my regular school? Now, what parent lets their kid leave the magnet gifted and talented yeah. school to go back to the quote unquote regular school. Well, my mom does. So she lets me go back. Our mom I, is an educator, by the way. Mm. Yes. Yeah, school teacher. She lets me go back. I'm the happiest that can be in my back to my school, playing all my sports and seeing all my friends and being in, you know, what I considered just regular school with all my folks. So then gets to high school through this, you know, like same track. 
And mind you, of course, the schools that I were that I was were in had just more minorities than the magnet school. Unfortunately, the nature of how the U.S. education system works. So I get to high school and I had an English teacher, and this was now in a uh, um, like maybe tenth or eleventh grade. Mm-hmm. I had an English teacher, and she was like, "Yeah, you'll never get into Harvard," because I was saying like what schools I'd like to apply to. You know, and again, since I'm an achiever, I like say, I'm going to apply to Harvard. I like this name. And she's like, yeah, you'll never get in. And that I remember she said, you need to just apply to University of Maryland. Maybe you could go there. So I said, oh, really? Competitive Chloe was like, I'm going to apply to every Ivy League. (laughs) And, And you watch me work. And um. My tell mom, her what mommy did. My yeah. mom, when she did that, found um, found perhaps took a uh, poster that was on a wall. In no, a it was in a bus stop. In a bus stop, uh-huh. and it said, "What if Harvard were your safety school?" She took it. She put it on our front door, on the inside of our front door. So every time on the way to school, that's what we saw on the door heading out to school. Mm-hmm. And it, she really manifested the idea that whatever we imagined is beyond possible. Like it's beyond possible. And so when it, was, when it came time to apply, uh, again, our mom is an educator and um, you know, she was like, yeah, go for it. Apply for everything, whatever you want. So I applied to all the Ivy Leagues. I applied to USC, UCLA, and I had visited Columbia um, again, back to like how dance and everything ties together. I wanted to go to New York, couldn't afford to go, but I wanted to go to see shows and take master classes. So I reached out to Bakari Wilder, who was a DC hometown homie. And I was like, and I, mind you, we hadn't been in touch at all. I cold called him. He's in New York on Broadway. <laughs> Hi, Bakari. I don't know if you remember me. I'm the one who always had the braid down her back. And he's like, of course I know who you are. And I'm like, really? And I was like, so I really would love to visit New York and come see your show, but I don't have anywhere to stay. And he was like, come on, you can stay with me. So at 15, I took $20, took the the um greyhound the, the, the greyhound oh it was the greyhound it was greyhound there was no china yeah. yeah took the twenty dollar greyhound by myself to New York Bakari picks me up at Port Authority I'm like oh my god what is this and we go to Brooklyn and he introduced me to the world of New York as a professional dancer thanks to him I understood the land and so one day I was with um uh some of the cast members. And they like, not the ones that were in the show, the ones training for the show. And I was like, do you guys know where Columbia is? And they said, yeah. And I said, can you tell me how to get there? They were like, we'll take you. So a, a group of the tap dancers took the subway uptown with me. They hung out at the park, Morningside Park. While I went on my, I said, they're like, we'll wait for you here. Have fun. I go up to Columbia and like, do you know where admissions is? And I do my own college visit. Oh my God. Not planned, not scheduled. I just walked in. I'm like, hi. And I remember a really nice guy named Peter Johnson. Rest in got, peace. Yeah, rest in peace. He passed away. I got his card and he ended up being the, let's just say the, the, kindest admissions person for me, my sister, all of our friends, Mm -hmm. like he, and I, but I'll never forget getting his business card and going admissions. Great. And I got all the brochures and then I went back and met the guys in the park and they're like, how was it? I was like, I think I want to go here. And they're like, great. And then we took the subway back and went back to dancing. But it was, it's one of those things where I look at that and I go, I, so when I apply to all the schools, my thought is I'm going to get into all of them, but I'm going to Columbia. Like I already had that in my head, but then when it really happened that I got into all of them, it was like, Whoa, I got into Harvard and they've given me a full ride. Uh Oh, 
like, uh-oh, now I got to like, <laughs> what, what do I do now? And again, my mom being so, our mom being so amazing, when I said to her, but I really want to go to Columbia, she said, okay, that's your choice. You got to go where you want to go. And she said, you need to leverage the Harvard money to mm-hmm. get Columbia to do more. And so I took the financial aid package from um, Harvard, went to Columbia. And then in the long run, Bill Gates came and gave me a scholarship that covered the whole thing. So it wouldn't have mattered where I went. But And we're actually performing for his foundation next week in New York. How cool. I know. 20 years later, I'm a scholarship student and I am performing for his next program, which is uh, another, you know, Forest Foundation for Giving as well. That's cool. It seems like there's a full circle theme going on here, right? With Rockettes and then Bill Gates. Always. Hey, Maud, as the younger sibling, <laughs> what, did, what did you admire and emulate from Chloe's path? And then what distinctions did you create to set yourself apart from following in her footsteps? I'm so curious. Well, we grew up together so closely. We shared a room. We've had a business together since she was 10 and I was like four or five. We made scrunchies. I think Chloe made them. I was a salesperson. <laughs> okay. I love that. <laughs> they were $1. Yep, <laughs> they were $1 and we would go to like buy the scraps of the scrunchies. You know, you can buy like scraps of fabric for like yeah. $5 for a thing. We'd buy that. Um, and then we shared a room together. We went to dance together. When our parents got divorced, um, Chloe became like my full-time babysitter. So, cause my mom at this point was a single mom. So she had two jobs. So my mom was like, you basically can do whatever you want, Chloe, like go out, go with your friends, but Maud has to come with you. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I was everywhere, um, which was amazing. And I think- Was it is- amazing, Chloe? No. <laughs> it actually, because well, my friends really liked her. So it became, it, it, it was amazing from the standpoint of she just like, she was more social. I don't even want to say social because I'm very social, but she was more ah, wild <laughs> and like confident, super confident. Mm. And like, yeah, of course I'm here. These are my friends too. Like I, 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 and I would say that, and especially as an adult looking back, that's probably what was the coolest about Chloe is that she didn't mind taking me. Whereas, you know, people now they're like, oh my God, I don't want my little sister to come with me. And I'll, I'll tell my students, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like the coolest, like take her with you. You guys can share friends and it's actually really cool. It's actually really fun. I think people these days compartmentalize too much because everybody has their own phone and their own headphones. There's such lack of community within the household now because of technology. So I'll say that was cool. And then Chloe always stood up for herself and was not like fast with boys. So those are things that like big things I would say I remember and like really smart. And again, full circle, not being fast with boys. It has carried over into our professional lives where we're still the same. And Chloe just had a meeting with probably one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. And he was like, I have heard nothing about you guys. He was like, there is no dirt because there is no dirt to be heard. And he was like, and I asked around and he's like, you guys are saints and angels and it's impressive. And I'd like to say it's, it's not uh, just to be clear because everybody's on their own journey. It's not to be judgy. If you've had things in your life that you're not proud of, it's more so just that from very young and it's in my diaries, I really, I wrote in capital letters, my rules. And then I had this whole set of things, not that my mom told me to do, not that any adult told me to do, strictly from my observations of how people are treated and how I wanted to be treated. The first thing was like, respect myself. This is so, so right, right. Just respect myself. Um, love myself. Don't let these boys get over on you. You should, like, you should post that online because I because it is definitely written and it says rules. It's pretty hilarious. Where do you <laughs> think that comes from? I mean, that it's it's such a powerful personal manifesto for a young person, right? I I think it's because we were like Maud said, maybe because we were, we're around everything mode. and we were in survival mode. Mm. Meaning, okay, we have these dreams. 
We don't have any money. Our mom is busy because she's trying to make money for us to eat and to live. Because she was a teacher, but she wasn't the official teacher. She was teacher's assistant. So her pay wasn't of a teacher. And we already know teachers don't get paid a lot. So she was getting less pay than- She was making like $23,000. It was it was $26,000 a year for three children. I remember this. Well, when I was and, in college, it was 28. I remember. And I was like, wow, Columbia is double what my mom makes a year. Yeah. <laughs> and so- I look at it and I say, and we would say, okay, so we've got these big dreams. We want to dance. We want to go to Harvard and all this. And then I'm looking at the circumstances around me, which were absolute chaos in regards to, you know, whew, just violence, a lot of disrespect to women, lots of drug activity, all of these things, all of the pitfalls of, uh, an inner city. And I, I really had to look at it and go, well, what, what is our lane going to be? I take the subway, the bus, I walk to school. So I gotta be smart. I gotta be safe. I gotta be looking around and paying attention. And so I think I also, I think another thing is having the responsibility of a little sister mm-hmm. makes you cognizant of I'm a role model. So what do I want her to do? We also have a brother who yes. taught us a lot a lot, and was very candid and honest. I mean, he would take me everywhere too. And his guy friends would like talk about girls in crass ways. And then they'd be like, oh, oh, sorry, little mods here. And my brother would be like, no, speak the way you're going to speak because she needs to know how men talk, like how men speak about women. And so also hearing all that from a very young age, I would be like, oh my God, I never want to be one of these girls mm. spoken about like this. Pretty and much. it's not to excuse their behavior because they have a lot of work to do. And I'll say our brother is such a- He uh, was never the one talking badly. Uh, our brother is the, everybody who knows our brother loves our brother. Loved. I think he always made us feel loved. Like yeah. we weren't seeking a Male. some guy to make us feel good about ourselves. He'd be like, you can do it. He was such a, has always his whole life been a, you can do it. It's yeah. yours if you want it, go for it. Mm. And I think that's like the general theme of our household, I would say, is you can do it. And like not, fearlessly. Just, not just to us, but if you step foot in our house, our moms, our grandmas, our houses now, somebody's going to remind you that you can do it uh, from uh, literally every person in our family, even though our parents didn't stick together, there were all kinds of issues at the end of the day. The one thing for sure that also (laughs) our dad taught us is you can do it. You're smart Uh enough. You have the, you have the, um, you have it in your spirit to do whatever you imagine. And so you deserve to do it. You know, as black people, you know, we're taught and conditioned that we don't deserve greatness and we don't deserve success. And, you know, we don't belong in a room. We don't belong. And so much of our history is like slavery, slavery. And it's about the slaves. And I'm like, why don't we talk about the evils of the slave masters? Like, we never talk about that. We're always talking about how the slaves couldn't read and couldn't do these things. And so you're like, you know, you're, you're taught that you come from a lineage of very strong, resilient people, but not a thriving people. And I think that our parents, our dad and our mom, who is white, empowered us as women and as black women very specifically and very pointedly, which is also um, a huge um, reason for our success and our confidence is that we never questioned who we were, where we came from and our power as individuals. Yeah. And, and like Maud said, both, both of our parents are very smart and, uh, and well, highly intelligent. And so they always gave us tools, particularly books (laughs) to learn about our history in a way that was empowering and that could make us feel proud and make us feel like we're actually standing on the shoulders of greatness, not, you know, on on folks that were just suffering, but rather of like not just resilient people, but but again, if you know, going back to queens and kings and of their of their own lands. And I think all of that really matters. Our our white mom had us celebrating Kwanzaa 
with all of our black friends. <laughs> yeah, like because the principles are so powerful of Kwanzaa. If people don't know, Kwanzaa is an African American tradition that is practiced near Christmas time. It's but, right after. It's between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, and it's every day. There's a principle, and each day reminds you of something within. In a way, it's like it's, Chagalia is self determination, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. community, just principles that really are about uplifting and coming together. And it's not really about gift giving. You can give gifts, but it have to be something that you make for somebody. And you know, and, and you go around and you talk. Um, it's a really cool thing that I. Affirm- really- it's like affirmations of like again your yeah. purpose, and I think that. I think that's kind of the general theme, honestly, of this conversation is like your purpose and like learning, trying to find it, understand it. But I think from very young. But Chloe, I never finished answering the question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So this is something too that you'll see often. Lisa is that Chloe will go on and on and I have to bring her back. Um, she said, what differentiates me from mm. you? Uh-huh. Well, you never got there. Well, because you cut me off, sisters. Um is that, well, like Chloe said, our personalities are actually very different. We just have the same value system, but anybody who knows us are like, y'all could not be more different as personality wise. Like I'm louder. I am, I thrive being around people and social and like I don't get drained by social interactions. I could go interact with 2,000 people today and be like fully energized afterwards. But I will say it was one particular instance that really was the defining moment of my uh, independence is in 11th grade, I got offered a scholarship to go study in Brazil for uh, for that summer between junior and senior year. And I had a scholarship to go to Debbie Allen Dance Academy and I called Miss Allen and I was like, Miss Allen, I got this scholarship to go to Brazil. It's at the same time as Dada Summer Intensive. You gave me a scholarship. I don't want to disrespect you. Like, what should I do? And she said, honey, you better go and learn how to samba. She said, that's mm-hmm. amazing. She said, I'll see you when I get back. I'll always be here for you. Best mentor ever also because she wasn't trying to just hold me and going to Brazil because Chloe hadn't been to Brazil yet. I was the first in my family to go to Brazil. This is when you didn't have like iPhones. It was internet cafe. So I could email them like once a week. And I was there for six or seven weeks. And that trip really was like a turning point for myself to develop my own friends and just be around my own, like be Maude and not Chloe's little sister. Mm. But I also don't mind it. Like when I go places, um, even here, Crystal here at Point Park the other day, she called me Chloe by accident. And then she's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I don't care. I was like, it's fine. I was like, you like Chloe, right? She said, yeah. I said, then it doesn't matter. I said, you asso- it's associated with something good. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's not like a problem for me because also we're really confident in who each other are. So if Chloe goes somewhere and they're like, oh, you're my sister. She's not going to be like, ugh, I'm Chloe. It's like, oh, great. You like my sister? Awesome. We're already friends. Cool. Like, it's, I love it. It's easy. It's a passport. It is. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It's amazing. It, what, something that really, really stands out to me, um, which we could probably go off on for two hours, so we won't, but I just want to share with you because to respond to something that Chloe said about, well, what you're both saying, but what Chloe said specifically about what was imparted to you growing up about your culture because I really, as a white woman, or as, you know, I really I hear that because even even without the history that your culture has as a, as a you know African American, we we tend to get the messaging. In general, I see it with parents of of you know, you can do it. You can do better than you can. You can take mm-hmm. it to the next level. You can be better. Be better than us. We worked hard, but you can work harder. But it sounds like you didn't get that. You got the no no no. no. It's a mate. You know. You're starting at a very high bar, so keep going. Keep this is good. You don't have to prove it. Like you know what I mean. Like it's a different, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, and that's so empowering. I that's actually have cool. never thought about that. Uh, that's really an amazing observation because and takeaway because it's true, which is also why I think we don't compete. Yeah, with anybody because it was never like be better than those other people, be better yeah. than uh, 
No, it was or, just or like, fight, fight to get out of what we're in. This is awful. It's your job while you're here on this earth to, to speak for us. It wasn't that it was like, no, honor what, what went before you and keep going. Yes. Yeah. And I think about like the titles on our bookshelf, you know, there was a book by Lorraine Hansberry. It was called to be young, gifted and black. Mm-hmm. That means that somebody way before us already thought <laughs> of that. And, and was asserting that that was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would always like, it's one of those things imprinted. It was in my that memory. beige book. Cause they had that yeah. thick writing. Yeah. Yes. And it's like the mess, the writing on the wall really matters. Like parents, it really matters mm-hmm. what you're seeing every day because it truly sticks in your head. Um, and I think, you know, uh, it's, it's a really good point because in, I remember in fifth grade, I was doing a, trivia because like I said so in regards to just to clarify I said I'm really competitive and I I truly am and the mod said we don't compete and that can sound like a contradiction but I'll get if if you look at the tug of war that's a great example if you also look at a video on my Instagram of us running up a hill like to which I won for me (laughs) running up the hill is so important. I do it uh, uh, as much as I can. It's a sand hill. We were racing. Sand hill. It is the hardest it is thing physically. So hard. Yes. And every time I reach the top of that hill, I say to myself, I could do it. Like it is a reminder of self, the, mm-hmm. the ability within to, to conquer the obstacles within. Because that is a physical. And, you know, as you're a woman and you're getting older, you know, everybody tells you, oh, it's going to get so hard and your body's not going to do it. And it's, so for me, it's that internal, like, I I can do this for me. Nobody else, I'm not getting any money from getting to the top of that hill. Uh, nobody gives me a prize. It's that personal knowing that I I can still push past obstacles and reach goals within that, that make, that are special to me. And I think um, it's just, for everyone, we all have those things. But when I was in fifth grade, there was a trivia on Black history. And I remember I knew it all. And I was so proud that I knew it all because a lot of the kids were learning it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Madam C.J. Walker. She was one of the first Black millionaires in America. You know, like I was, <laughs> I was so proud to know all of these incredible accomplishments of my ancestors. And so I think I never, like Maud said, I never thought of this really the way you're putting it, but like, yeah, it was like, you and know. And we were surrounded by black excellence in DC, mm. which is why DC is such a unique place to grow up because you had mm-hmm. a spectrum of black people. Of course you had crackheads cause it was the crack epidemic. But then we also, our friends' parents were general counsel for Verizon and you know and we met those people through dance again dance because dance mm-hmm. brings all types together mm-hmm. so that is the most beautiful part the dance studio we were on scholarship and our best friend's mom was a lawyer at Verizon not and- a lawyer Chloe general oh, counsel right Be very clear because I didn't even realize how big of a deal that was until maybe like five years ago mm. when one of my friends is general counsel of the 49ers. And I was like, what does that mean exactly? And she told me, and I was like, hold on, I think that's what Miss Sherry did back in the day when you didn't see any black people, particularly not black women in the C suite. In the C suite, it didn't happen. And so we were surrounded by people showing us and telling us you can do it. I mean, my mom. And, yeah. and the women, the moms of our dance of our dance company called Taps and Company and Tony Lombre, they were, they believed in the village. Mm. They were like, we're village moms. Like that was across the board. Everybody's like, yeah, we're village moms. We're your mom. We yeah. take care of you. We're and gonna they did. You. They really did. They like did. our mom was working. Oh, don't worry. I'll take you home. You know, like, oh, you guys didn't eat. Hold on. Let me grab some food for everyone. Mm. It was we were, we knew we were backed up. We knew we were, were supported by a community that, of, oh yes, we all love tap, but it was just so much more. And I think going back to this. And it was never tit for tat. No, never quantified it. Like who does more? Mm-mm. Whose parent does uh-uh. more? It was yeah. Like everybody brings yeah. their yeah. own unique thing. And when I look at that and, you know, we were talking Lisa about like, 
that journey of me in New York and like fighting to be respected and all of that. The irony is that when I created Sync Ladies and not in the early stages, because I didn't realize it, but now retrospect, all I was doing was recreating the best part of my childhood, mm. which was an all-female tap crew that Miss Tony Lombre had started that I got to be a part of that gave me the most joy as a child. I just recreated that. And those women who we danced with as children all volunteered at the DC Tap Fest last week. Oh, another circle. What a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. This is so amazing. I I have to ask you, I have to ask you what your definition of living in the moment is, given that the podcast is called Stop Time, Live in the Moment. So who would like to answer? Okay, perfect. Oh, I would say. Okay, this is in the moment. Oh, yeah. This is mud. I have the raspy voice. Um, <laughs> living in the moment is being free to do whatever you feel. So if it's like, I feel like going to buy a smoothie now, or I feel like going to take a nap, or I feel like reading a book, or I feel like getting on a flight to Paris, that to me is living in the moment. I mean, you could translate that to say living in the moment is being at choice is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say... Particularly because our lives are so, you know, vast. We have so many things (laughs) that we do. Um, I was saying this yesterday. I was choreographing a commercial and I was on set. And the the, um, producer was like, how do you do it all? And I was like, because I stay present. I know I have 700 things to do. And, and, but I, in this moment where I am currently with you, I'm giving you and this project me for today. And as soon as this wraps on to the next moment of what it is that I'm prioritizing in that time. But I think being present, you know, like I get a massive thrill from like, when we get off the call. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do before I have rehearsal at 1030 and people will be trickling in. But between that, that like 10 minutes. I break, know what she says. She I'm going to walk go around her property and look at what they're doing. <laughs> because the fence they're building gives me an absolute thrill. And so I got excited. I woke up this morning like they're building the fence. And so I try to just stay, allow myself to be present because I know that I'm going to be pulled in every direction by, by nature of all the things I like to do. This is not someone forcing me to do this. This is total choice to overload the plates. But I tried, I, I, I honestly, and this is definitely um, the moment, this, this is a moment in my life because this wasn't before. Like Maude said, we do have way more choice. We have way more, um, um, you know, ownership over our day-to-day, which has been earned because, mm-hmm. you know, before we we were financially so unstable that we had to take every job, had to do everything. And now I get to have discernment and say, this is fully in alignment. This will bring me joy. I will be able to give my all to this project. I actually just turned down a, um, a play because I knew I couldn't, not couldn't, I knew I didn't want to multitask it because I wouldn't have been able to be present the way that would honor them and honor my standard of work. But and I will so- also say, in addition to that, I still do a lot of things that are not uh, on my cup of tea, I do a lot of, just to make it clear for everybody listening, I do all of our finances, all of our bookkeeping for our foundation and our all of our businesses and the DC Tap Fest. I run every aspect from the merch to the credit card processing. And I say that it's important for people to know that like, we don't just show up like la-di-da-da-da, like I... I'm still doing a lot of the work, but it is for things that we want to do. And so I think that's important to discern. I'm not working for somebody else or working on something that's not 
you know, bringing us joy, but it is still a lot of work. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, in regards to choice, right. I think that with choice comes responsibility. So it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to be just like the star. That was my choice. No, it's like <laughs> with that platform, because it comes all the responsibility, all the people that are following your footsteps, all of the people who uh-huh. you must pay all of the, all of the various things that come with it. And I'll just say living from, I get to summarize it, living in the moment is being able to just be present and to enjoy the space and time that I have, because like I said, there's so many diverse experiences I have in a day, in a week, in a month and being able to, to, so that it doesn't become just a mishmash and like, where I lose appreciation, I try to just lock into gratitude for that moment and that time and that hour. And like this hour, I'm very thankful for this hour because if we didn't have this hour, we would have been doing something else, right? And not maybe reflecting on the process and journey. And even by you asking that question, it's going to make me appreciate the moment even more because now I'm even more aware of it. Side note, Chloe told Chloe for the record said I talk a lot. Hmm. I think <laughs> it runs in the family. No, no, it's it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> you guys are you guys are brilliant. It's it's so funny. So just just really quickly to um just to riff off what you were saying, Chloe, and maybe this is a, a separate conversation. What's so so interesting and makes so much sense, and you'll get this because you'll you understand energy, both of you, and and dance, right? Because when you think about meter and time and it's called stop time right mm-hmm. it's that time that where the rhythm of let's say life is going on and where where it's holding the pulse for you mm-hmm. but you can do whatever you want in that space yes Ooh, right like and mm-hmm. so i mean that's my whole concept behind the the idea yeah. of using that as a thing i mean it's fun because yeah i have a top dance background if you know <laughs> but right but but as tap dancers we know that right we we know that when when it comes time to solo Everyone's mm-hmm. supporting you, you know, the, the mm-hmm. rhythm of life is underneath you and it's up to you what you want to say in that space. And mm-hmm. and what really dawns on me when I talk to you, and again, we'll probably need to talk about this separately, is that you're, t- you're speaking to being able to be really focused because it's a value to you and then to having to create the space and the perspective in a very, very packed schedule that you've chosen mm-hmm. back to Maud's choice, right? And I'd love to dive in deeper with you. And this is where my work as a coach, like I really get excited working with high performers like you, like, how do you create that? How do you, what about the places where there are spaces? How can you elongate that? And you do that by walking around and looking at the fence because you don't go, I can't do that. I'm too busy. You will allow for that. And that is really fascinating to me. I think we both, Maud and I, I think help each other implement the downtime. And again, it's not a lot of downtime, but if I say to her, I can't, I can't talk about that right now. I can't work on that right now. She gets it. Or if she tells me, I don't want to hear about that again right now. Uh I get it. I did this morning. This morning. Exactly. So we're able to to tell each other when we need space to just be. To do nothing. Yeah. Or Or even, and also shout out to our amazing manager, Kalina, who also knows like there's a certain job that I have where I volunteer and Chloe and I, our foundation actually also helps sponsor this program. It's called um, Art Saves Lives and it's in St. Martin. And it's, you know, I pay to go basically and teach these amazing children from underserved communities dance for a week. And I will miss paid work. And our manager is like, fine with it. She's not like, ma, this is yeah. a paid job. She's like, cause she knows it is important for my spirit to go and be with these children. Yeah. We yeah. have the best team, best team. I mean, hands down I best mean, team. Most managers. Cause I have so many friends in the business are literally just chasing the dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get the biggest, get the biggest payoff, get the biggest yeah. job. And again, going back to purpose, Kalina is so locked in to her personal purpose that aligns with ours. And then that's why it works. She has always led with her gut and always says, oh, this is wonderful for you ladies. Or, Uh "Mm, 
Ah, it's a lot of money, but I don't think it aligns with uh-huh. your values. Amazing. Say no, thank you, and walk away easy. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. That's that's I'm amazing. Away from a Paramount movie, she was yeah. like, mm. she said, I. Mm-mm. Nope. She's, I said, I'm uncomfortable. She said, I'm uncomfortable. She said, nope, leave it. Uh, it amazing. That's amazing, right? Yeah, we're blessed. Yeah. Because it's very rare because so many people are just like, money, money, oh, yeah. money, opportunity, opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, it's brilliant. All right. I'm going to, uh, can you finish this phrase? These are two things. I got to gotta get this in for you. Okay. Um, and Maude, why don't you go first? Okay. Most people think that Maude Arnold is, but the truth is. Most people think Maud Arnold is um, is the uh, nicer sister, but the truth is Maud is actually the one who will tell you about yourself and cut you off. Yes, <laughs> love it. That's real. Love it. Perfect. Chloe, what about you? I was going to say most people will think that I'm serious, very serious, but I really love to have a good time. Love it. Love it. (laughs) I would say that that's correct. Yeah. That's so cool. So really quick, um, rapid fire. Okay. I'm going to say what makes you, and then you're going to say the first thing that comes to your mind and we can go, do you want to go like mod Chloe, mod Chloe, or do you want to go? Okay. So what makes you hungry? Um, smell of croissants. Uh, uh, <laughs> hungry, literally. Yes. Uh, uh, the desire to achieve. What makes you sad? When people die. When people don't believe in themselves. What inspires you? Life and children. I was going to say people. What frustrates you? Um, liars and people who are not of their word. Hatred and, and unkindness. What makes you laugh? Everything. (laughs) Um, circumstances, circumstances, people and circumstances. Perfect. What makes you angry? Um, racism. Yeah. When people are disrespectful all the isms, the isms. Yeah, fair enough. And finally, what makes you grateful? Waking up every day. Life, life, every component. I always say I'm thankful for everything, everyone, every moment, every opportunity that I get to live. And I always say for my prayers, I just pray for health and life for myself, my family, my community, my friends. Everything else, we'll work for it, we'll earn it, we'll get there. I just need to be, for us to be alive and well. Mm. Yes. Maud, what are the top three things that have happened so far today? I woke up, I walked to the bathroom on two working legs and feet, and I got the most kind message from a dear friend of mine that actually made me tear up. Mm. It was just a message of gratitude for being a good friend. And it was random. Love it. What about you, Chloe? Top three things. I got a good night's sleep. And I had my eye mask on and I woke up and I was like, yes, it's still on. Because a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like amazing. I woke up and I was like, yeah, sleep. Because, uh. Chloe, rapid fire. Sorry, sleep. No, it's not right. This is not rapid fire anymore. <laughs> okay. Sleep. I got a good night's sleep. I had a beautiful, um, warm shower. Mm. And I got to talk to my contractors about where the fence goes. Yeah. <laughs> I figured the fence was going to come into that. I know <laughs> the fence was going to come in. Oh, my God. Ladies, I so appreciate you taking the time to be with me today on the podcast. I really do. Thank you. And again, thank you for just being consistent in who you've always been. Yes. Well, ditto. Just to stay also connected. Like the years don't mean a thing. No, they really don't. And and I love that we're sort of in our new our new stage and getting let me know how I can support you in any way. We'll be in touch. 
All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy Quebec and the lake. Oh, I will. I know. (laughs) All right, guys. Much love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I've been speaking today with Chloe and Maud Arnold. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.